0: I don't think we often appreciate how difficult it is to lead worship. You know, they put a lot of work into this. They practice. Thank you, Igor, for your great work. Thank you, Nelly, Jason, Suzanne. It was really beautiful. <laughs> Hallelujah. We praise, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so we have a, an amazing chris- uh, children's program. That's for ages four through fourth grade they can be dismissed at this time. We're continuing our study of of the Gospel of Mark, but I'm putting it in the, a frame of Christmas and joy and uh, true. The true joy of Christmas time fits very well into this frame, as the whole gospel does. Oh, oh! And I was going to mention also that uh, this week, uh, Carrie, my the church secretary, also my daughter, uh, worked very hard and put out a mailing. Uh, we mailed, I think, two thousand three hundred of the flyers out to uh, local uh, folks right around the church. Uh, so pray for those. They're going out. They'll be receiving them in the mail Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. It uh, has a little brief gospel on there, an invitation to our services. Uh, so it's important to reach out. Uh, really, it's a huge story of Christmas. Uh, Christ came. Christ came to save us, to bring us the best news. And so it's an important time to reach out. Uh, Let's uh, read the word of God today. My text is, as it says on the screen, uh, verses 31 through 38 of, of Mark 8, the end of the chapter. And it reads like this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Just pause for a moment to pull in the context. If you were not here last week, we had this fantastic outburst of Peter that we know the Holy Spirit taught him in his heart and spirit. Uh, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? See in verse 29, and Peter answered, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the deliverer. And uh, we talked a little bit about a lot of the content what peter would be thinking about uh, in what we call the old testament the content of this word messiah messiah and christ are interchangeable christ is greek messiah uh, is hebrew the word it means anointed chosen one so peter you know he hits a uh, you know forerunner homer here grand slam you can't get any better than that. It's you know it's the last inning of of the World Series and your team is behind and you come you get a fastball right in strike zone and whack you hit it you know 500 feet way out of the ballpark. That's what Peter did here. You are the Messiah. You know, boom! You got it. You got it, man. You're on cloud nine. You said it. Yay! Way to go, Peter. You know, it's awesome. You are the rock, dude. That's what Jesus said. No, he didn't use the word dude, but uh, (laughs) that all came out of that. Mark doesn't record all of that conversation, but Matthew does. Um, So that's the context. And then the next thing Jesus says is, what I just read in verse 31. uh, Let me just read it again. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And turning and seeing his disciples, notice that just the language is marvelous, Jesus turns and sees his disciples, the disciples of Jesus. He sees that they're all watching. They're taking this in. They've noticed that Peter has—he's uh, just hit a you know grand slam in the World Series here. He's—he's—he's he's, he's the man. He's the man. And now he's taking Jesus aside and correcting him, rebuking him, placing his values on Jesus. Uh, And turning and seeing his disciples, he, that's Jesus, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Potent words, the most stinging words that anybody would ever hear. And I'm sure that Peter, he'll never, ever, ever, ever forget that moment in his life when Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. and the Gospels, will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, in your grace and kindness, as I already referenced, we know when Peter said the good thing, you are the Christ, Jesus said that you, O God, you had revealed that to him. And we we are just like that. We are dependent on you to open our hearts and see what you are saying to us. So in your grace and kindness, as we spend the next few minutes thinking about this, your word, that you would open our hearts and minds. Help us to think what you want us to think. To set our minds on the things of God to not be caught and stuck in thinking human thoughts, just the things of men. Lord help us we pray through Jesus. amen. Okay so again I want to frame this and we just we just wrote wrote we lit uh, we lit the candle of joy. did you notice that I'm wearing pink today? pink candle, pink shirt. If you were in a liturgical church today, the the priest person would be wearing uh, a rose vestment, uh, would be wearing pink. Uh, the Latin term for today's Sunday is gaudete, gaudete. Uh, and that is Latin for rejoice. And the big verse for today is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's probably the... It's such a huge command. It's always there. We're called to trust and rejoice in the Lord always. Um, So to to, to help us with this frame, I want to give us a, a distinction between joy and happiness. Now again, I want to acknowledge intellectually that you can interchange these two words. That's fine. But just for now, I want us to agree. that Let's make a difference between these two things, okay? And for the idea of joy, I will be talking about um, lasting, bigger, fuller, uh, ultimate joy. And for happiness, I'm thinking of just temporary. I want to be happy right now. Kind of tinny and shallow. And just, just. I want everybody to be happy um, Uh, This is a a definition of of the distinction. Happiness is dependent on external conditions, and joy is the experience of knowing you are unconditionally loved, and that nothing, and, and these are straight out of Scripture, nothing like sickness, failure, distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away from you. Uh, see, that's what joy is. Joy is not temporary. I might be suffering. I might be very sick. I may be experiencing failure right now. I might be emotionally distressed. There may be oppression. Uh, Charlotte and I were talking about it. One of our dear friends, um, he's a really interesting guy. His name is Andrew... Uh, Chow. And he's Chinese by ethnicity, but he grew up in Cambodia. He's he's about my age. And it it is very dangerous to be Chinese in Cambodia uh, if you're about my age. He spent about eight years of his childhood in a concentration camp, uh, literally digging in the dirt for worms to eat. Uh, And he's a good friend of ours, actually. His name is Andrew. And he is the happiest guy you ever want to meet right now. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. And just the idea that the emotional distress of growing up in a concentration camp in Cambodia, in the Khmer Rouge, in in the killing fields, uh, he knows what joy is. He he believes in ultimate, you know, he's he's experienced the temporary uh, grace of God, too, but he has a view toward the ultimate joy and fulfillment of life. He's not a, a man who says, I was victimized and I licked my wounds. Uh, he comes through this with, he's always smiling, and he loves our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can take true, pure joy away. Thus, joy can be present in the midst of sadness. So the way I'm applying that is here is that Jesus comes out with this statement, and this is a, you know, kind of a graphic of it, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Why did he came? Again, let's look at this verse, 31. Why did Jesus come to the earth? He's the Son of Man. That he likes to call himself that it's significant. Uh, he's the son of God, but he's the son of man. That's the point of Christmas time. He came as a human being. He is our brother. He is a man. And as a man, he can suffer. Absolutely. It says he began to teach them, that the son of man must suffer. It, the word here is a little tiny Greek word. D it's day. I think it's d E-I or D-I-E. I forgot how to spell it. <laughs> um, but And it's this concept of this is necessary. Jesus, this is why you were born. You must suffer. Many things, and you're going to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. Go back with me to chapter 3 of Mark. Chapter 3 is earlier on, you know Jesus had a public ministry of about three years. We know that from the Gospel of John. Um, but Mark probably mainly records the last maybe eighteen months of this and if you see in in chapter three i'm going to take a second uh, here verse six, verse six, chapter three, verse six. This is early on. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians, against him, how to destroy him. Uh, They weren't open-minded. They had already decided a long time ago, we're going to destroy Jesus. And Jesus says, not that this is the worst thing to happen to me. This is necessary. This has to happen. This is God's will. This is God's plan, that Jesus would suffer, be rejected, and be killed Notice the, just the brutal language here. And be killed. And after three days, rise again. So that's the basic message. How did Peter respond to it? Well, notice in verse 32, and he said this plainly. You know, boom, there it is. Not hiding it. That's why I'm here. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Uh, one of my joys of discovery here in, in the Gospel of Mark, after all of these years of studying the Bible, I never really looked at the word rebuke. A few weeks ago, I mentioned it. Uh, It's a two part word in Greek, epi, which is to put upon, and then the second part is value, timao. Um, And it's really like to place value upon the person you're talking to. It's a really cool concept. It's like saying, in a way, I rebuke you because I expect you to value what I value. This is what's really important. And I rebuke you because you're violating what I believe is truly valuable. And and actually, truthfully, think about this for a second. Like, for example, when we reprimand our kids, we may not like the word rebuke. It sounds a little harsh. Uh, But we, we rebuke them. Why do we do that? It's because we love them. You know, no, no, do not touch that burner. You know, very simply, when they're, you know, 13 months old and they're beginning to walk and they can start grabbing. We we have a grandchild that fits that category in our house right now. And, you know, we have the burner we're going. We have a cast iron skillet up there, you know, with 400 degree degree oil in it. You know, you don't just casually watch him go up. You, 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 You grab that thing, do you? No, you rebuke him sharply. Why? Because you love him, you value him, and I'm going to excuse me. I'm going to intrude my values upon you, Shepherd. (laughs) I'm going to be this bold and say, "Don't touch the skillet. Get your hand away." Because I don't even want to think about it. You pulling that over on your head? You know, God forbid, right? Well, that's the idea. It's a positive thing. Uh, But, of course, here in Peter's book, it ends up being this way. There's Jesus' way and Peter's way. He's saying, no, Jesus, um, let me stoop down to your level, Jesus, and tell you what you should be thinking. Uh, I'm going to explain to you, God, why your plan is not really the best plan. You've got this whole suffering thing. You've got this whole rejection thing. I, you know, God, I just don't think that's a good idea. I'd just really rather go for happiness. <laughs> let's just go for, boom, happiness right now. Everybody gets coffee. All the gifts are perfect. Everything's wonderful. Uh, and and everybody goes home happy. And let's just keep it really shallow. You know, Let's not really think about what's going on here. Um, Peter represents only wanting God to do what he thinks is good. What Peter thinks is good. I'm going to argue with you, God. Uh, I just don't think you're doing the right thing here. This is literally what he's doing. He's taking Jesus aside, and he begins to rebuke him. Now, we have this harsh rebuke of Jesus. Here's an artwork that might catch that moment. Uh, You know, Peter's there taking Jesus aside, rebuking him, and Jesus rebukes him back uh, by, it says, look at, but turning, verse 33, and seeing his disciples. And it's, I love the word his disciples. See, these are the guys I care about, Peter. You're affecting them. They see what's going on here. They, they're going to think that you are, you are the leader. Again, you hit the grand slam just seconds ago. And now you maybe you're hitting another grand slam here. Uh, So Jesus is saying, I've got to make an example of you here. He rebuked, it's that same word, of course. Jesus put his values back on Peter. It's like, no, he says, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes people with the best intentions can be speaking for the evil one. That's why Jesus said, I'm not going to pull it all out, but it's, it's in the scripture a few times. He said, you might have to hate your mother and father because they might come in and say, oh, you don't need that Jesus thing. You know, go away from that. There's something wrong with those people. You don't really believe the Bible. The Bible's a fairy tale. Uh, you know, Any number of things, any, any human being can be speaking for Satan. And that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So look at this real quickly. I have a, a verbal slide here for you. Why such a harsh rebuke? What's going on here? First of all, the, the truth matters. For Jesus, it it's really important that what is truthful is laid out there. Uh, We should have joy in the truth. The truth is, it is necessary that Jesus dies and suffers for our sins. That's the means of our salvation. Without that, we have no salvation. This truth matters. Uh, It's important. It's important enough to disturb this pleasant little moment on the hillside there for Jesus to rebuke Peter uh, in this this way secondly peter was leading others astray and i say have joy in responsibility you know sometimes we grumble about responsibility i don't want responsibility i don't want other people dependent on me uh, but peter jesus says seeing his disciples, he realized, wait a minute, Peter is the leader here and he's leading these people astray. I have to be very harsh with him at this moment. I have to correct him because, you know, it matters what we teach other people. And all of us have influence. People are watching us. Uh, yeah, and we can say it's too much. I. I don't want this responsibility. But guess what? That doesn't change it. You have the responsibility. You are in a role. You know, maybe you're a sister, a brother, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. God has placed you in that role. And the the wise thing is, the joyful thing is, I'm going to give up some temporary happiness to work for the bigger goal of God's joy and the plan of God, and I am going to take this responsibility. It's hard, and we fail at this. I fail at this all the time. This, this text comes to me and says, Nathan, why do you com- c- complain about God's plan? Why are you arguing with me in your heart Trust me. Have joy in my plan. And quit saying, God, I don't think you're doing this the right way. I might not say that in so many words, but when I complain and when I argue with him, that's what I'm saying. And so that is, reflects on other people. And then, and then finally, this really gets into that um, definition of rebuke, uh, that to place value upon... Jesus expects his followers to think. I almost want to put a period there. That's this verb here, setting your mind. Think, Peter, think. Why, don't you you know, Peter, last week, by the way, if some of you were here, uh, I read four or five passages from the Old Testament on who is the Messiah. And if you notice, there was a theme in those texts. And it was the conquering Messiah coming to bring victory over our enemies. It was a fulfillment of Psalm 140, our psalm for today. Lord, there's a lot of evil men out here. Would you please conquer them? And the Messiah will come and bring victory. Hallelujah. He is the victor. Hallelujah. Absolutely true. But we could say, Peter, did you notice Isaiah 53 as well? where he's the suffering servant where he dies for the sins of his people and it was the will of god to crush him the word says peter did you remember that part you know and peter might have said well no you know i knew that was there but it was always so confusing i don't understand it but god wants us to think and to think god's thoughts Have joy in God's things as opposed to our own human things. So I ask this question as I'm coming to a close. How do you respond to rebuke? How would we respond to this rebuke that Peter receives on this day? Now, this says it is necessary for Christ to die. And then the final part, the last few verses for today, and you know... I don't have uh, like an hour and 17 minutes, and you, I couldn't stand to talk that long anyway, you know. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm trying to say. This text is rich text format. Is all of text, the Bible is. But this has a lot in it. And you'll be, we will be thinking about this over and over and over again for, uh, forever. Uh, so I'm not covering it all now. I'm just sort of introducing it. But look at verse 34 and following again. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples. Now, it's kind of invitation time. He's got the big group, and he's calling the crowd to him with his disciples. He says to them, if anyone would come after me. Anybody here want to follow Jesus? He said, you want to follow Jesus today? If you want to come after me, here's the thing. You have to deny yourself. See, Peter's a bad example of that today. as He said, no, no, Lord. My opinion is more important than yours. I I do not agree with you. You shouldn't suffer. You shouldn't die. This is what I want, O Lord God. Uh, So Peter has to deny that part of himself. In the context, that's clearly what it means. He has to take up his cross and follow Jesus. He has to be willing to die. Jesus will die on the cross for our sins. Christ died for our sins, and we are called to die to our sins. There's this rebellion in Peter that he has to die to. His rebellion in arguing with the way Jesus is predicting how things will go. Take up your cross and follow me. Again, rich text format. Lots in here. What's he talking about? The cross is clearly an execution device. Uh, And he's saying you're, you're ready to die for me. You're ready to give everything for me. And again, the fuller teaching of the Bible teaches us that there's a part of us, our sinful self, that has to die. We have to kill the flesh, it has to be crucified. And it, all the time, we're tempted by our flesh. We must nail it to the cross, deny ourselves, and overcome that strong temptation. Uh, Christ died for our sins. We're called to die to our sins. That's the significance of the cross. And it's the same statement in verse 35, for whoever would, for whoever would save his life will lose it. You know, Peter, if you want to stick with your point of view, Peter, then you're going to lose your life. If you're going to say, no, I just don't really believe in this Jesus thing. I, 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 I got to part ways with you there, Jesus. I don't think humanity is really that sinful. And you don't really need to die for us. We just need to work a little harder and we're, we're going to become righteous. Maybe we need to keep a few rules and then we will work our way up to deserving the mercy of God. Uh, and Jesus says, no, it is necessary for me to die. That's the only means of salvation. So if you are going to save your own version of life, you will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's, we'll save it. If we're willing to die to ourselves and for the good news, we'll save it. And then this last bit here is so, so wonderful. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? I got this picture of this amazing, glorious uh, penthouse condo. You know, opulent wealth. You, you, can, you can have this most incredible uh, condo with a view of some beautiful water, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You can have that and lose the most important thing. On the other hand, you can live in a cardboard box and have faith in Jesus Christ and have ultimate joy for eternity. Uh, One of our old Baptist confessions um, talks about eternal felicity. Felicity. Eternal felicity. We ran into this word in men's breakfast a few weeks ago. Eternal felicity. And if you're into American girl dolls, felicity is one of the dolls. But it's not talking about her. Felicity is just an old fashioned word for joy, you know. And in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we have eternal felicity. You can be super happy in that condo. And I would love to do Airbnb for a week and a half there. You know, Charlotte and I would love that, right? Wouldn't, who wouldn't? You know, it'd be fantastic. I love it. But would I give my soul for that? No. I'd rather, you know, be in L.A. living in maybe a, you know, a heavy-duty cardboard box. <laughs> That you can get at Home Depot, by the way. <laughs> I'm brought to you by Home Depot today, selling ads. <laughs> and and the, so these are the words of Jesus: "For what can a man give in return for his soul?" You know, I, I'm a big fan of an old movie called "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" And if you, I'm, I'm like a nutso about this movie. And there's a scene with the guitarist uh, who's, who's he's taken lessons from Satan and how to play the guitar. You know, it's an old, old fable. And he, he exchanges his, uh, his soul for these guitar lessons. And one of the guys reprimands him. He says, for that you gave your everlasting soul. <laughs> it's a you know, beautiful line. That's that's what Jesus is saying here in a much more wonderful way. For what are you giving your everlasting soul? What is more valuable than that? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, And the final word is, is shame. Verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me. See, Peter is acting ashamed of Jesus. What no Jesus come on you're the messiah like kill these guys with a sword coming out of your mouth that's what you know we're expecting you the old testament says you're going to you're going to whack them with a rod of iron so there's some pharisees whack them <laughs> whack them quickly they're coming to you oh lord jesus and and i'm ashamed that you're willing to to, to die but jesus has a bigger plan right Bigger plan. And that's this huge aspect. It's a very effective way of keeping people away from Jesus. To be ashamed of him. And look what it says here in the word. Be ashamed of me and my words. Very huge effective temptation is just to be ashamed that you believe the Bible and that you associate with Jesus. And look how he characterizes the world around us. Verse thirty-eight: "Forever is ashamed of me and my words." In this, adulterous—and that's talking spiritually—adulterous uh, people are, uh, uh, you know, having uh, intimate relationships with all kinds of other gods. They're adulterous and sinful generation. That's that's what's fooling us. That's what's causing us to be ashamed of the words of Jesus and the person of Jesus then the the harsh word is he, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed. When he does come in his glory, when he will come with that rod of iron, and he's going to come with the the holy angels who will be the reapers who separate the weeds from the wheat. So this is kind of a quick summary. This is what I'm saying. The true joy of Christmas is to know its meaning. What is it about? And and to highly value God's plan. Think about God's plan. Highly value it. And to find our life through faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father.